We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is episode 627 today as we take a look at the tight end class in the 2020 NFL Draft in just a couple of weeks. My name is Mike Will, and I'm joined by Tyler Grezegork, Matt Freilich, and special guest Jacob Westendorf, who who was the tight end guy for the Cheesehead TV Draft guy, so he's our resident expert as far as tight ends go. So, guys, we're just a couple weeks away from the from the draft. It's an interesting tight end class I guess, how are you guys doing, and you guys ready to talk about some inline blocking? Tyler, I'll go to you first. I'm always ready to talk about inline blocking. It's probably <laughs> probably what makes me fit to do something like this is I'm a degenerate to just go sit and watch a guy block a guy for 40 minutes. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to talk about tight ends. It was actually a lot of fun. You know, I went into it pretty with a pretty negative mindset, but I think there's some interesting characters in this class, and I'm ready to talk about them. Matt, how about you? Tight end class isn't great. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I got a, a positive spin on it like Tyler found. Like there's there's guys that I'm like hoping and praying that turn out to be really good Madden players because they're fast and they have good 40 times and cone drills. Other than that, yeah, let's. I'm interested to see what everyone else has. 
And then Jacob, you are your expert. What do you think of this class? And what are your well, nobody's nobody's going to confuse me for an expert, first of all. So let's just I put that to say, bed. That's, right a, that's the second time I've heard that term thrown at your way, uh, Jake. And I, I, we're throwing it around pretty loose. I think I was. Yeah, that's. I mean, we'll call it generous, but that's why Mike's the host, and you guys just kind of sit back here and do color. He's Al Michaels, and you guys are like John Madden or Chris Collinsworth or somebody like now. that. So Drew Brees now, yeah. Um, no, it's it's interesting. Um, I will say this. If you're looking for a starter and somebody that you want to be a big contributor, you better be thankful that you drafted Jay Sternberger last year. Uh, but if you're looking for a role player, a tight end two, tight end three type, there are some useful players in this class. Like Tyler said, I went into it kind of pessimistic. Uh, and I came out at least you have to dig a little, but you do find some guys that are like, yeah, okay, I can kind of see where – this guy can play a little bit. That guy can play a little bit. But you better ask him to do the things that they're good at. That's the case for every player, I guess, but even more so with some of the limited guys that are in this class. Absolutely. And so just a quick round of how this is going to go. We Earlier this week, we came up with five uh, individual questions that we're gonna, I'm going to ask the three guys about the tight end class and what to look for. We also have five quick superlatives at the end of the, at the, end of the podcast as well to talk about what this class is going to go. But before we get all that done, don't forget to find us wherever you can, wherever you find podcasts are. We will be there under Packaday Podcast, also on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. So I guess with episode 627 now started, let's jump into the first question. And it's a pretty easy question for you guys. And we'll start with 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 Matt Fraley here. Who is the best tight end in this year's draft class? That's so hard, honestly. Like we were talking about the 2019 class and it was fun to debate that because I feel like there was like three guys then. Now it's like who like they're all good at their own special thing. I don't think they're there's not one that's all encompassing with attributes. Like we're gonna get into those superlative questions. I don't think there's gonna be one guy we pick for all of them. So if I had to you know ha- had to say who the first one selected is, who's the best overall, I'm gonna say um, Cole Smet, the guy from uh, you know I think he's solid. I think he had a really good. Uh, Combine, which helped him a ton. We see guys shoot up the the draft board even this year, every year with a good uh, combine. And I think he's a dude that showed off his skills there. And I I guess that would be my number one if I had to pick one. And Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I'm also going to go with Cole Komet. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I feel like he's the least riskiest of the players. And at the same time, uh, I think there's some decent upside there. You know, I think you're getting a Kyle Rudolph type player in Cole Komet, and you know that's something that's noteworthy when when you're looking for a player. And I would probably say the second or third round, Komet will probably be a second round pick because the class is, itself is not that good for tight ends, so he might get elevated a little bit up the board. And he did test well. I mean, he almost tested elite. He tested uh, with an RIS of 8.92, and so. He tested well. He he does a lot of things well. He doesn't excel or exceed in any one thing, but that's worth something in today's NFL. I I don't think he's a liability in any one area, and some team will find value in that. Jacob, you put a lot of work into this with the with the draft guide, and you had the guy from Purdue. Is he still your top tight end? Yeah, I do. I have Hopkins number one. I know the the first two guys here talked about guys from Notre Dame, and I live by the the Bo Schembechler way of thinking, and that's to hell with Notre Dame. So I'm joking a little bit when I say that. But I do. I think Hopkins is, if you're looking for upside, there's just a little bit more there. And if I'm taking a shot at somebody in the early-ish rounds, because, I am I mean, even with some of the guys that we have here, I mean, you're talking about the earliest the tight end will get picked. The Bears will probably take one with their first pick because that's just kind of how they operate. They have like 27 tight ends on their roster. So I can totally picture them taking Cole Komet to pair with Jimmy Graham. But 
at the same time, I just think that I value guys that can play outside the numbers, guys that can be like big receivers, if you will, just because I think that's a little bit more valuable. I don't completely dismiss blocking. I think that was something that I used to do, but I don't anymore after watching Jimmy Graham for the last two seasons. I understand that that can be important, especially in an offense like this one. But the simple reality is, so Hopkins is my tight end one. And last year I had it Fant, Hawkinson, Smith, Sternberger, and he would fall behind all four of those guys. There's just, there aren't guys, there is no Noah Fant, there is no TJ Hawkinson. I don't even think there's a Jay Sternberger or an Irv Smith in this draft. So it's a tough year, like I said, to be looking for a starter, but I do think that Hopkins can at least develop into a solid tight end that eventually you're looking to pair with somebody a little bit better, but somebody that can be a useful player for you. Yeah, I can I can see all the points you guys are making. Uh, and I remember you wrote in the in draft guide his best game was against Wisconsin. I remember watching that game and yeah, he looked really good in that one. But th- you're right, this is a little bit of an underwhelming class. But as Tyler said earlier, there's a lot of guys who could be tight end two, tight end three guys who are going to be good situational players. But there's still a lot of guys who who have who don't have that big stat line. Maybe you don't test as well as you think, but then. They do break out after coming from a power program. I mean, look at George Kittle. He didn't put up massive numbers at Iowa. Dawson Knox didn't put up huge numbers at Mississippi last year. Are there any tight ends in that in this class who come from a big-time program, maybe either didn't get the opportunity or just didn't produce with the big numbers that you would expect, that could be that should be much better pros than they are in college? And, Jacob, I'll go back to you for that one first. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know about specifically, I guess, no numbers or something like that, but somebody that I think could have bigger numbers in the pros than he did in college is Hunter Bryant. And that's just because I think that of the chess pieces you can move around is he's somebody who can, he can play in the slot and he can like, I'm not going to say he's a starter in the slot tomorrow, but when you have an ability like that, that's relatively unique, uh, that's something that can get you noticed, get you some red zone production, get you some ability to maybe get some of those schemed up plays where the the opposing team is so focused on guarding Devontae Adams and the speed receiver that they draft and like Jay Sternberger to where, okay, Hunter Bryant is able to step in and kind of sneak through, you know, sneak the tight end through that way, the way that they've done with some guys they've had in the past. So I think he has a good opportunity to do things like that, but there's also things you can scheme up specifically for him plays in the slot, plays where he plays out wide, play action passing, stuff like that. Don't ask him to block anybody because he's really not going to be very good at that. But when you're looking for production, touchdown production, stuff like that, going into 2020, again, depending on where he's drafted, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bryant is the guy who has the most production in his rookie season just because his skill set's a little bit more unique than some of the other guys. And Matt, what do you think about about that, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? One guy I'm looking at, and it's just based. It's somewhat based on what college he went to. Is Colby Parkinson like Stanford? Stanford's always busting out really high end tight ends, and I think his numbers went up every year. He dipped. You want to talk about some of the dipped numbers wise? Sophomore year had seven touchdowns. He had one touchdown last year as a junior. So um, Stanford. Cardinals did struggle last year, did not perform well, only three conference wins. So I I think he's someone that could come and contribute. Again, I think all these guys have a project. They're, everyone's going to – you're going to have to work. So whatever raw talent you think they have, maybe it's someone with the speed, maybe it's someone with the broad jump. 
Um, but I think Colby Parkinson's one I like. I, uh, like I said, he had 400, uh, you know, he had 500 yards plus last year, only one touchdown. So uh, not huge numbers in the touchdown game, but it, uh, definitely someone that you saw the production go up every year at Stanford in a, in a pro-style offense, essentially. And uh, I think the pedigree's there from uh, being a Cardinal. Absolutely, Stanford's put some good ones in the NFL, notably Austin Hooper right now and before that, Colby Flaner. Uh, Tyler, the same question to you. What do you. Is there any power guys you think would be better pros than they were in college? Well, I'm actually going to stay in the Pac-12, which we've all stayed there so far, which is pretty crazy because they're not really known for football. Um, however, it, it, with Kobe Parkinson, one quick note, uh, his, his utilization, I think, went down this year because they actually started putting him in line. That's not something that they were doing in his sophomore year. They really wanted to attack the seams with him in his uh, freshman sophomore years because he was a de facto wide receiver. And this year they started moving him in line. And I love to see that these, these universities are starting to uh, put these guys in different positions to really enhance their different skill sets. So uh, Kobe Parkinson's a guy that I really kind of like to keep developing because he didn't really start learning how to be a tight end until this past year. Uh, but my guy is Devin Asiasi from UCLA. Uh I, I don't know. He, there's not a single word to describe his, his, the way he plays. He just he's he's a good player. He, he just he just plays well. He didn't. Uh, let me let me check the testing numbers real quick. I don't think he tested super well, but he plays better than his testing numbers suggest. I think he had a six point one three RAS. He plays much faster, much stronger than that on tape. He's a guy who can block. He can receive. He can run. He can run the routes you need him to run. He can create the separation. I think he's the guy in this class that you're looking for in the mid-rounds, third, fourth, to really kind of ascend where he was drafted and become a, become an impact player. I think that he can do that. I think he's 22, going on 23 years old, so maybe that development floor has been hit, but I don't know. We'll see. He, he's the guy that I would peg to really kind of come out of that group. Fair enough. So essentially our advice is make sure you watch Pac-12 after dark. Stay up late on those Saturday nights, watch some West Coast football. For, or for in Tyler's case, that's basically dinner time. Seven o'clock. I know that's great. Tyler's got to be the expert on Pac-12 ball too. Living <laughs> out there, like you're seeing all those games. I, hey, I got to go see Sam Darnold and Nikhil Harry two years ago, my my uh, sophomore year at ASU, and that was a that was an experience. So, well, on the Packers draft, a Pac-12 player in the first round, it feels like every year, if not every other. So, I mean, you get a pretty good look there. It's usually UCLA defensive lineman. There you go. Hey, it's worked out well with Kenny Clark. So. And we won't talk about Dayton Jones. But, okay, moving on to our third of our five questions. And Matt and Tyler, we talked about this last week with when it comes to with Jalen Rager, Rager and whether the restrictions currently going on right now could hurt the stock of a guy who's maybe more of a raw prospect or from a smaller school. In Titan's case, it'd be a guy like Adam Troutman from Dayton. Uh, they, so they, and they, they face a lot of little of a competition. They, the teams couldn't bring them in to work them out. All they have is just the tape against those schools and some combine stuff. How much is that going to affect some of these smaller school players? Does it drop them around? Does it drop them half around? And will it make teams a little more wary of picking them up in such a bizarre year like this? And Tyler, we'll go to you first. You know, my thing with Troutman and, and those types of players specifically is when they when they go to these these neutral testing events, they need to perform, they need to excel at these events for the most part. In order to affect their draft stock positively, they need to go and they need to be one of the top players at that position in order to really kind of get the attention of the scouts. When you go back to the tape, specifically for Adam Troutman, and this really applies to anybody, I guess, with these uh, non-Power 5 or you know, not even FCS teams, 
they need to be the best player on the field at all times. And I did not get that feeling from Adam Troutman at all. And so, like, when you, when you go to watch these guys, that's really what I'm looking for is are they clearly better than everybody else on the field because those guys are not NFL-level talent for the most part. It's sad but true. So they need to be dominating those guys, and if they're not, then that's really going to affect their draft stock. And then they go and they test uh, they test poorly, which Troutman didn't. Uh, Troutman tested well, but you know if these guys don't go and excel there, then, then they're going to hurt their draft stock. So I don't know if his draft stock went up or down because of the testing or because of the lack of information, but it, it, it is definitely something to think about. I think right now he's probably staying neutral. I don't think he's gone up or gone down because of, uh, because of the coronavirus stuff and the lack of information that's getting out to the NFL teams. That's fair, and uh, I remember uh, Bob Tiny came from a similar kind of background, really small school, and and I know especially having gone gone to school in the same conference as Dayton, for a non-scholarship program like that, it's pretty impressive to see a guy who can succeed from that thing because these guys are coming in, they're they're taking out the loans, they're paying the money for it, but yeah, I I, I think you're in a similar point where that could, it, you have to be the best player in the field at every single time, and sometimes that's not the case. Uh, Jacob, what are your thoughts on on this situation? Yeah, I don't like to agree with Tyler, but I'm going to in this case because I think that he's right. You know, when you go to those small school prospects, that's the first thing that you need to need to see. Are you going to play at the NFL? Okay, that's awesome. You don't need to helmet scout necessarily because just because a player went to Florida State and one player went to North Dakota State, I mean, we've seen it to where Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jameis Winston, for example. They played at two different schools, but Carson Wentz was the best player on the field all the time. Is Adam Troutman? I'm not so sure. But then you add in the fact that there, there's less information. And I think that the NFL, their scouts and everybody does a good job of digging things up and finding the information that they need. But that being said, there's just less resources at Dayton than there is at Florida State, again, to use the same example. That, I think, could bother him in terms of where he's drafted. So if teams thought he was a third-round pick, I think that there's a possibility they go, ah, you know what, I think this is somebody more likely to slip through the cracks just because he is such a small school guy, wasn't necessarily the best player in the field. He's interesting in some ways, but, I mean, we're in a a time that none of it, there's no precedent for anything like this. I mean, that's kind of the, you know, we were talking the other day on one of these episodes about how this could affect some of the rookies, some of the guys like Rashawn Gary and Jay Sternberger and players looking to make a second-year jump. There is no... We don't know what there isn't any of other than we know there is no rookie camp and it's unlikely that there will be any of the first wave of OTAs. That much we know. That's something that affects these rookies too is how much are you willing to take a guy from Dayton that was probably going to be a two-year project at minimum anyways. Now you add in that he doesn't even get his first offseason in the program outside of what you we're doing right now. We're just having a teleconference. They'll do the same thing. How much does that affect that maybe now a three-year project becomes a four-year project or something like that? I, I do think it might ding him a little bit. Matt, same question goes to you. For sure. It, I I love this question because it's it's real. Like We can actually kind of project what's going to happen, in my opinion. So I think even if the coronavirus wasn't going on and there was, you know, everyone was going about their merry way, like quote-unquote normal, I still think we would see these tight ends not going off the board until maybe mid-second round, third round. And I don't really think it adjusts the way teams select them. I think it actually puts them right back to where they need to be selected because there's not a top guy. Therefore, 
the top guy that normally would be selected, like the number one dude. Everyone wants the number one tight end if they have to fill that role. So they're going to reach a little bit. Now, to both of your points, and I totally agree, again, that teams aren't just going to select a guy that's a project, a guy from Dayton, Florida Atlantic, Washington, who really can't block a converted receiver to you know tight end. Like They're going to hold out, put them exactly where they're supposed to be slotted in that mid-second round, third round situation, and then we'll see those guys go off the board. And it's it's unfortunate, really. Like it it's it's I think teams are definitely taking into consideration. I was last night thinking about just the tight end class and why the or for free agency and why the Packers haven't brought it in the tight end. And there's guys out there I really like, and I think a lot you're seeing a ton of free agents still out there more than normal for every position because teams just. It's just logistically hard. You can do these Zoom calls or FaceTime calls, whatever, but to, like, fly a guy in for a physical, to negotiate a real uh, – there's just a ton of stuff that's still up in the air, and we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, so I think, again, it's just going to – it's kind of going to stay where they're supposed to be. And, yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's fair. And I think you guys all make really, really good points. And, and I, also, I also wonder if – Teams are going to look at the miss that has been Adam Shaheen and coming to become a small school, whether that could hurt guys like Troutman as well. But moving into our our fourth question, and at this point, put yourselves in the shoes of Brian Gutekunst. Is there a certain type of tight end that you'd want to pick in this draft? And and follow-up would be where? Do you want the powerful blocker to 16 Mercedes Lewis? Do you want another guy like Sternberger? Do you want another another player that could be kind of a hybrid guy. Do, do you, what kind of player would you be looking to draft to start things out? And Tyler, let's start with you. It's really tough to say because when I, when I look at the roster makeup for the tight end room for the Packers right now, you've got the two dichotomies. You've got the best one of the best blocking tight ends in football, period, Mercedes Lewis, and then you've got an up-and-coming receiver uh, who is learning how to block in Jay Sternberger. Now, I'm not saying that Jay Sternberger can't get in line and block for a few snaps a game because he probably can. However, he's still learning at the NFL level how to do it. The injury last year is probably going to set him back in that regard. It's, it, it's just the reality of the situation. And so I'm going to kind of cop out here. I'm going to say you're looking for a guy that can do it all. You're looking for a guy who you can throw on the field for 20 snaps a game if, if tight end is something that the Packers deem a need. You're, th- you're looking for a guy you can throw on the field for 20 snaps a game. He can block, and he can go out and catch the occasional pass. That's really what you're looking for. And, you know, the Packers pursued Austin Hooper in uh, free agency. However, I don't think that was uh, a – t- the, the word escapes me, but I don't think that was indicative of how they feel about Jay Sternberger. I just think that they were looking for another presence in the middle of the field. And so I think you can go out there and get a guy like, let's say if they wanted to reach on a Hunter Bryant – I think that that could take the role of a receiver off the board for the Packers because if you had a receiver and a Hunter Bryant, you're kind of addressing two needs because Hunter Bryant is basically a big receiver who can go in and block for a few snaps a game. So I, I, it's really tough to say. It's kind of whatever Matt LaFleur thinks he needs right now because they have one of each. And so does he want the guy who's a mix of both or does he want you know the backup on either side of it? I, I would lean towards the backup to, to Mercedes Lewis because he's not getting any younger. Um, but really, it's kind of a crapshoot, and I, I think we've seen that with the tight end position. They, they, maybe they're just trying to mix ma- mismatch guys because they haven't had a true tight end for, for years now. But um, really, I think that it could go any, any route. 
And Tyler, what round would you, if you were Brian Gutekunst, would you be looking day two or day three for a tight end? I am not looking any earlier than the third round, and that's if I fall in love with a guy like a Cole Komet, a Hunter Bryant, uh, a Bryson Hopkins. It, that's if I'm in love with one of those guys. I'm probably waiting till the fourth, fifth round, taking a guy like a Dalton Keene who can come in and play a Danny Vitale role, and he's not going to be much of a tight end running running a lot of routes, but he can come in and be your H-back. He can be your fullback. He can be, he can be what they wanted Danny Vitale to be. And Matt, I'll go back to you. What are your which type of tight end do you think the Packers can be looking for? It's got to be an athlete, right? Like I don't think you needed that thick blocking tight end like a Mercedes Lewis. Um, you know, it's nice to have one, but I, I think you can kind of those guys are kind of a dime a dozen. Uh, and I, it's got to be someone that's athletic that can stretch the field a little bit, create mismatches. Uh, I mean, look at the Super Bowl. Look at the, I mean, look at the Super Bowl matchup. You had Kelsey versus Kittle, and those guys are dynamic. They're fast. They dominate over the middle. And I think uh, Hunter Bryant's one that we talked about. There's you know a few other guys that are just fleet of foot that you're going to want to have on your team. And you know, see see if you can go you know get a mismatch against a a, a linebacker or a you know a slower safety. That it's got to be someone that can create mismatches. Although, and that being said. I've looked through Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett's pedigree when it comes to their offense, and they're not really, what I have noticed is heavily reliant on that tight end. So I don't even know if it's really a priority. Um, so in that respect, I guess, just maybe someone that can cause a matchup problem. And Jacob, we'll go to you the same thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of a cop-out answer, I guess, because I'm always looking for someone like Jermichael Michael Finley, like a, a athletic move tight end, that can dominate in the passing game. The Packers haven't had a player like that since Jermichael got hurt uh, and his career unfortunately ended. Now, on the other side of this coin, obviously there isn't a Jermichael Finley in this class either. So I think what you're looking for is more with what's currently on the roster. First of all, they spent a third-round pick, a top 100 pick on Jay Sternberger. They tried to add Austin Hooper, like Tyler mentioned, but I don't think that that was necessarily a priority either. I think that if they wanted him to be a Packer, they would have found a way to do that. Uh, and they didn't want to make him the highest paid tight end in football. I very much endorse that. They haven't really sniffed on anything else since. So I think that that means they're very confident in Jay Sternberger. And you could tell when the way Brian Gutekunst talked about him, the way Matt LaFleur talked about him, they're excited about this guy to be their tight end one. He did do some good things in the blocking game last year, one of his best plays. I mentioned it earlier today when I was talking with a few other people, a uh, teaser for Monday's podcast, but while talking to a couple other people, there's a play in Seattle where he seals a guy off, Aaron Jones scores a touchdown, and he's fired up. It's not necessarily that Sternberger didn't block in college or can't block. He just wasn't asked to because at Texas A&M, it was run down the seam, we'll throw you the ball. They basically built their offense around him that way. With that being said, I would like to see somebody with some blocking ability with more upside in the passing game than Mercedes Lewis. Because Mercedes Lewis, we've seen it. All of his touchdown or his one touchdown last year came on a play action audible. And most of his catches really do come on broken plays, extended plays, things like that. I would like to see if we can find somebody a little bit more with more of an upside in the passing game. But I do think if you're looking specifically, I'm not looking until day three. Again, unless if Cole Komet's there at pick 94, if Bryson Hopkins is there at pick 94, and you've already taken a defensive tackle and a wide receiver, for example, then maybe we can start having that conversation about the tight end. But otherwise, 
I think the Packers need good players whenever and wherever at just about any position, and I just don't know how many good players there are at this tight end position. So by then you're looking at role players. They have seven picks on day three. Can you pick an athletic freak with some upside on the third day of the draft? There are some guys like that. Can you pick someone, Tyler mentioned one, Dalton Keene, who I'm going to talk about here in a minute again because I really think if you want to marry the – Matt, you're the more fullback guy, aren't you? I just realized I'm on here. Uh, So if you want that H-back, that's one of your kinds of guys here. So – to find somebody that can play that role for you, lead block in the run game, but have some upside in the passing game to where it's not just like, okay, you're playing 11 on 10 because the receiver out here is not going to do anything. That's fair. And, and kind of make, building off. Hey, make make fullbacks great again. Hashtag more fullback, no doubt. They never and were it, great. So No, I want to throw in one thing in two guys. I, know I don't want to get too off track here, but let's let's think about just how great the tight end class was last year talent-wise and the fact that the Packers were able to get Sternberger so late because of that push guys down the board. If he was in this class, I bet he would be right up at the top, if not number one. I wonder if they knew the tight end class was going to be very good, and it's just kind of easier to you know have a guy fall on your lap down in that top 100 area instead of you know having to reach now at a, a guy that's not as talented. Well, Matt, I, I, I did say earlier, too, um, that if – if Bryson Hopkins, who's tight end one in this class, he'd be tight end five in last year's class. I mean, I had it, like I said, I had it exactly. Fant, Hawkinson, Smith, Sternberger, and I would have Hopkins firmly behind those guys. Without looking at it right in front of me here, I couldn't tell you who my tight end five was last year, but, I mean, there's a decent possibility that Hopkins falls behind him as well. So I think that you're right. Sternberger would be the number one tight end in this class, and I'd be willing to bet you he's probably an early second-round pick if that's the case. And that's fair, and so so kind of building off building off that, our final actual question question is for you guys who have been watching some film on these guys. Is there a tight end that you are really stumping for? Is there a guy that you want in Green Bay, and you you will be maybe not upset, but you will be a little bit annoyed if they come off the board and the Packers don't take him? Are there any guys like that for you, Jacob? Not really, um, just because. One, like I mentioned, I am maybe the self-proclaimed president of the Jay Sternberger fan club. So with that in mind, the Packers are going to play a little bit of two tight end. So that's great. And the second tight end is going to be Mercedes Lewis. So maybe they'll pick some veteran fodder or maybe Evan Bayless makes it as a fourth tight end. I'll bet they find a fourth tight end at some point behind the two aforementioned guys in Tanyan. But Again, there's just not – like last year, I remember – I said it a million times. If Noah Fant's available at pick 30, you pick him and let him grow with Aaron Rodgers for the next four or five years, however long he's the quarterback. And I was willing to stump for him. After that, I was willing to stump for Jay Sternberger. And this year, there just isn't really a guy like that. There are some blocking types I like. There are some upside types I like. But if the Packers leave this draft without a tight end – First and foremost, I'll say this. They have 10 picks. If they keep all 10 picks, I'll bet you guys they take three offensive linemen, and I'll bet you they take two or three wide receivers. After that, you can kind of fill in the rest of the gaps, however. But I'd be willing to bet you five or six of their picks are on just those two positions. After that, there just aren't any tight ends that I think are worth, like, banging the table for, so to speak. There's just not any guys like that. Uh, Tyler, what do you think? You know, I don't know if there's any uh, table-banging guys either, like Jacob was saying. However, I, you know, if Devin Asiasi goes, I'll be sad because he's he's become one of my guys. You know, the overall 
quality of the ty- of this tight end class is, is lacking. However, Devin Asiasi is a guy I think that can really develop well in, into being an NFL tight end. I think he can, like I said earlier, he's, he's a good receiver. He can block. He's a good route runner. Um, I, I think he's going to be a good tight end at the NFL level. And so, especially where his prob- probably where his perceived value is, which is in that fourth round area, I think that, that that's a great selection. So if he goes, I'll be a little bit sad. Uh, Hunter Bryant is a dynamic receiver, in my opinion, from the tight end position. Um, I'll be a little bit sad if he goes, but... Again, you know, I think that if they took Hunter Bryant, that'd be like taking another wide receiver. And I think that's kind of how they would look at it or treat it. And then Dalton Keene. I think Dalton Keene is the guy that they could really bring in and he could do a lot of different things. Now, he's not going to be uh, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, but he's going he's, he's gonna to be a guy that you can bring in. And he has value to your offense. He can play fullback. He can play H-back. He can play tight end. He can play all those different positions. And... Um, you know, I, I think that that has a lot of value to this Packers offense right now. They tried to put Danny Vitale in that role, and they were unsuccessful last year. I think that they're looking for that guy, and I think Dalton Keene could be that. Man, just just hearing you describe it makes me miss Chris Cooley. He was fun, he was just because he was fun to watch. Matt, is there any guys you're stumping for? Uh, I think I'm just going to go with someone that we haven't mentioned. I'm surprised his name hasn't came up at all. Uh, Thaddeus Moss. That's a guy that I'm looking at. Um I think his numbers, you want to talk about someone that maybe on the opposite side of not having low numbers, he had extremely inflated numbers playing in that offense. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, really good tie, uh, receivers around him, so it's able to open up the field for him. I think he's just, it'd be awesome to see a Moss 84 jersey. I think that'd be hilarious. And I think he's a guy, if you're going to invest some, you know, they're all projects, right? Like, I don't think there's anyone that's a safe bet. Like, you have to fall in love with them. So if you're going to take a guy, make make it a guy that has a pedigree of, one of the best receivers, if not the best of all time, and that being Thaddeus Moss and Randy Moss's uh, offspring. So give me give me Thaddeus. Uh, I think he could do a bunch of things. I think he's a raw talent. He could work on his blocking. His route running isn't great, but um, he does have, you know, I would say higher-end speed, and that's someone I'd like to see the Packers have. And, like, an 84 Monsters, he would, I think it would really polarize the, the Packers' uh, fan fan base. I'm telling you, I would buy one the minute that it was made. So, and I would get, I will personally fit Randy Moss for a Packers hat. I have never maybe loved to hate a Viking more than I love to hate Randy Moss. So, I would love an '84 Moss Packers jersey. That'd be fantastic. And, and it should have happened yeah. in 2007, anyways. And it didn't. exactly. So. And that's what I'm trying to get. A, we're try, I'm trying to be able to double back on that mistake. And like, there's, I'm looking at the roster. It's not an '84. Like, it's an easy, it's an easy fit if we really want to go that route too. All right, never mind. I do have one and pound the table. Go for it. I'm in. Who do you got? Oh, I said I'm in. I'm in for uh, Thad Moss here. Okay. There you go. Just to see Randy in in Packers gear at Lambeau Field. Absolutely. Get him a green and gold tie to go on NFL countdown. There you go. And... And, Jacob, I'm going to ask you this because a guy I've been thinking about a lot has been uh, Breland from Oregon. Is, Is there any thoughts on him? I can tell you I drafted him in my Madden franchise, and he, like, it must have been one of those glitches. He became a 94 in two years. So he really helped extend the career of Aaron Rodgers and was awesome. Um, You're an an expert in drafting tight ends in a Madden franchise, apparently, too. You're you're well diverse. Yeah, I got really lucky. So that draft, it was, I download the draft class, and I do this until I get sick of it. And I got... I was able to draft Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and then I drafted Breland in like the fifth round. And yeah, like I said, it must have been a glitch because he became uh, just a monster off of that. But he's a big target. He has some inconsistent moments and some flashes. Uh, I'm curious how that would work out in Green Bay because obviously 
Um, they have some inconsistent players in there, and you're kind of expecting that from a rookie anyways. But I, I think that there's a possibility of somebody that you're looking at. Again, he's kind of more in that that move tight end type role. Uh, he played in that spread up. Well, it's not really up-tempo like Chip Kelly when he was there, but he played in a spread offense at Oregon. I think that you know that's something that could kind of help him. Those players actually transition as pass catchers a little bit easier to the NFL just because of the high volume. Look at some of the receivers from Ohio State, for example, as opposed to until recently, like the Michigan Wolverines who have a ground and pound type offense, those kinds of things. So I think that that's something that he could transition a little bit easier maybe, um, kind of a high floor type player, but maybe not somebody that I would expect to reach a ceiling either, if that makes sense. Fair enough. So that being said, let's move on to our tight end draft class superlatives. We have five of them. Do we can just kind of rapid fire these, go a little quicker. And we'll we'll start with Tyler. Who's got the best hands in this draft class? Cheyenne O'Grady. Ah, the Arkansas kid. Mm-hmm. He's got. I know he's not. He's not going to do anything else for you, really. He's not a good blocker. He's not a great route runner, but he can catch the freaking football. I, I will say, if you can get it in his hands, he'll catch it. That, that's what I'll say. You just described Richard Rodgers. <laughs> I guess. Well, he'll I guess catch a hail mary. <laughs> Matt, who's got the best hands? It's so weird because, like, you have quarterbacks that aren't that good. It makes the guy look bad. I'm just going to go with Hunter Bryant. I think he's just – he's probably gotten the ball a ton, and that's that's what I'm going to go with. I, I have really no basis on that other than that I just think he does. And Jacob? Uh, Thaddeus Moss. We were just talking – no, not just because we were just talking about him, but I think that he's – a lot of people saw the name Moss and assumed dynamic tight end, but he's really more in the possession role. So I think that that's something that – he's one that he has to win that way too. So if he's going to win – on the field, it's going to be because he has uh, sure hands in catching the football, finding holes in zone, stuff like that. All right, and, and Jacob, we'll stay with you. Who is the best route runner in this in this class? Uh, Hunter Bryant. I think that we talked about him earlier. That's somebody who can play out of the slot. He has more experience than some of these guys doing it, so I think it's him. And Tyler? Agreed, Hunter Bryant. And Matt? I'm going to disagree with you guys. I'm just going straight combine stuff. Um, Adam Trotman had the best uh, three-cone drill and blew people out of the water uh, compared to, like, a Dennis Pitta-type situation for his cone drill. I'm going uh, I'm going Trotman from Dayton. And Tyler, we'll go back to you. Who is the best blocker in this class? See, and this is an interesting one because we were talking about this guy a little bit. I'm going with Thaddeus Moss, and I think he's the best blocker in the class. I know, I know, but... He, he's the most consistent. He seems to be the strongest uh, of the the guys out there. I, I don't know. I mean, Thaddeus Moss for me. It, it's, it's a weird thing to throw on a Moss like we've been talking about, but he's a solid tight end in that regard. And back to Matt. I didn't, I didn't think Thaddeus Moss. Was the, I mean, he could be. I'm, I'm not going to disagree completely, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, Josiah Digoraro from Cincinnati. I think he's a thick dude. Uh, put up the bench press 25 times at the combine. Just just a big guy. And um, at Cincinnati, I mean, the reason I don't think of Thaddeus right away is just because I always remember seeing Thaddeus in the last couple weeks of the season just catching and running with Joe Burrow. But maybe that doesn't say he can't block. So uh, I'm going to go with the kid from Cincinnati. And Jacob, who's the best blocker? Yeah, Thad Moss is a good one. I like the way he digs people out and stuff like that. But uh, I'm actually going to go with Dalton Keene. I think that's somebody that you can talk about as making a, you know, a impact as an H-back. Uh, I think that that's got to be one of your big qualities if you're going to do that. So I think he's definitely in, in that realm too. And so, Matt, we'll go back to you for the next one. Who's got the biggest upside in this 2020 class? 
all of a sudden at the end of this podcast we're just hitting hitting the moss. It's got to be Thaddeus Moss. Like I, that that's just simple and plain. Just his his genes. Uh, what he was able, what he was asked to do last year in that offense at LSU with Joe Brady, like I, I just, I'm, I've been hammering the table for Moss for the last since uh, the semifinals, and I think he just rides the momentum, and he's obviously like you want to talk about not being able to train right now and getting into an NFL facility, like his dad's definitely got his butt working all the time right now, working on everything, developing all skills. I think he's got the biggest upside right now just because of sheer talent and how he's probably handling this offseason like a pro. And Jacob, what do you think? Who's got the biggest upside? Bryson Hopkins, which is one of the big reasons I thought he was my tight end one, uh, was just that I could see him. He can grow as a blocker. And then you mentioned it earlier too, Mike. You watched that game against Wisconsin, and I just think that you see what his potential could be at the pro level. And Tyler? Uh, Just to touch on Thaddeus Moss real quick, he's still learning how to play football at a higher level. He, He missed significant time his first two years at LSU. Uh, and so he, there's definitely a guy to go with with an upside pick, and I don't think it's a bad one. I'm going with Hunter Bryant, though. I think he could be Evan Ingram, but healthier and um, also a better blocker. But I think that's the type of player he could be at the NFL level, is an Evan, an Evan Ingram type to kind of control the middle and uh, really just be dynamic for that offense. And finally, Tyler, we'll stay with you. Who's the safest pick? Who's the guy who's going to come in you know what you're going to get right away? Good old Kyle Rudolph, Cole Komet. And Matt, how about you? Who's who's the safest pick in the draft for tight end? I really i i hate to dis, i hate to agree, but it is Cole Komet. Like he's he's just he's not. I don't think he's sexy by any means. He's the most polished as far as just like skill set. What he was asked to do at Notre Dame, and I, I hate to keep agreeing with everyone and keeping up the same names, but I think there's just too many guys that are just speed guys or athletes that aren't going to come in and develop and. I don't think Komet's really either of those, but I think he's the most polished and ready to go. And lastly, Jacob, we'll go to you. Yeah, it's Cole Komet, and Notre Dame sucks. Any chance you get, huh? Yeah, any uh, Other than the Ohio State Buckeyes, that's number one on list of teams. I just, the name makes my blood boil. That's fair. Well, Jacob, it'll make you happy. My draft crush is a Michigan Wolverine. As much Donovan as Peoples-Jones. And it's, and it's gotten me ang- anger in comments. Like you can say, you only watch Combine stuff. No, it's Shea Patterson's sting, so I think people should also be good. Yeah, I'm well aware. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, that's just kind of a brief look at this tight end class. If you want a more in-depth, read Jacob's work on the Cheesy TV Draft draft Guide. It's it's deep, it's it's detailed, and it does a really good job explaining why he has these guys where he's slatted, and it does talk a lot about his respect for Hopkins and what he can do. So as we start to wrap things up, Jacob, we will go to you first. Uh, Where can people find you, and what are you working on right now? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Jacob Westendorf. You can find my work at Packer Report 66. I've kind of been doing some of those uh, video prospect profile type things. I just finished one on James Robinson, uh, running back from Illinois State. He's actually from Rockford, so I almost felt obligated to do that. But he's a decent little prospect that I think the Packers could look to on day three. And then just getting ready for the draft, man. It's less than two weeks away as we record this. So that is exciting, and I am ready to – start talking about who the Packers have instead of who they might have. Absolutely. And Matt, where can people find you? What are you doing? For sure. I do a lot of my damage just like everyone else uh, on Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. 
Um, I recently also started a website called PackersWorldwide.com. We're actually going to be recording our first episode for a podcast after this. I do have one article up on there, so check that out. And then uh, I forgot to plug last week when we recorded, Dan Kotnick and I have been doing um, a Madden simulation. That might be up your alley, Jake, uh, of the 2019 season. We reset the rosters with what they are currently right now, added free agents along the way since it's progressed. We will be recording tomorrow. Episode will be up on Monday. And um, I think we're in week six right now. Six. So yeah, I've watched thank every you. week. So awesome! <laughs> I appreciate that. It's been it's been weird. Like what? Every there's every week there's something bizarre. Either like the Vikings offensive line is absolutely atrocious. The weather's super random in uh, Lambo. Ryan Grant, the receiver, of course, is a high volume target in week one and two. Like it's just been bizarre, but it's uh, it's been fun. So you can find me on there and. Um, yeah, what about what about you, Tyler? What, what do you got going on in uh, the west side of the uh, country? Uh, so, other than watching uh, Pac-12 football, it's um, I've been on Twitter a lot. I mean, I've been much more active since the quarantine kicked in, obviously. But you can always find me on DynastyNerds.com, writing about Dynasty Fantasy Football. Uh, the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide just came out uh, not too long ago, so make sure and go get go and get that, where you can read a lot of good people's work, um, and it's in my in my opinion very affordable. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, there's a lot of work that gets put into that, and it's really a great product. So uh, other than that, I just released my Packers Big Board, which is tailored to the metrics. Um, go check that out. It's on my Twitter page. Um, I'm not going to brag too much, but it was pretty accurate last year. So if you want to know who the Packers are going to draft, you should probably go check that out a little bit. Um, anyway, so that's on Twitter, uh, at Tyler underscore Grez. And you can find me on Twitter, at Mike Wellen. I'm being a little more active as well. And just to having downtime, even though I'm still working, I do have downtime not having to deal with sports and stuff like that. But I'm still doing a lot of research on my article that's going to be coming out about Dairyland Express, hopefully before the draft, on how the Packers, Patriots, and Ravens have very similar ways of player acquisition, very similar ideas of how they want to build their team, and just kind of comparing that. And also, I'll always address the Milt Hendrickson effect, because that's one of my favorite factors right now. But for that being said, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Jacob Bessendorf, thanks for joining us this week. It's been a blast. Uh, stay tuned for uh, for Matt Tyler and I also uh, in the next couple weeks, and we will also be we'll be re- recapping day three of the draft in a couple weeks when that happens. We'll be breaking down maybe up to seven picks. We'll see how many they actually take, how many they use. If it's seven, four, or thirteen, who knows? But we'll be we'll be breaking that down as well. So stay tuned, and of course stay tuned every day for more content from the Packaday Podcast wherever podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. We will be there. Give us a subscription. Give us a rating. Let us know what you like about us, what we can work on. Just, just let us know, you know, because we appreciate it. And find us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. So with that being said, we'll say so long for Jacob Westendorf, for Matt Freilich, and for Tyler Grizzagor. I'm in kindergarten again. <laughs> Sorry, it's a slip of the tongue. It's been a long day. I don't believe you. <laughs> hey, I talked to Michigan. Give me a break here. I don't believe you. So we're just going to move on. Here we go. Here we go. For Jacob Westendorf, for Matt Freilich, for Tyler Grizzagork, this is Mike Wellens saying so long. Again, stay tuned for more packeted content. And, of course, and as always, go Pack Go. We'll see you in Lambo down the road.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.